0: Before we get started I want to promote and ask you guys to promote the Bible reading program listen guys please I implore you I beg you please read you know we're asking you to read one chapter a day Monday through Friday five chapters a week however you want to break it down and it will change your life and so I want to encourage you take one of these take a couple with you take one to work have one at work where if you forget to read at the house you have one there so take these with you reading the Word of God will change your life and it will give you a greater understanding of the of how all the pieces fit together and the other thing I want to promote and I'd like for you to prom- promote this too ask one another hey you reading your scriptures you reading your Bible encourage one another hold one another accountable the other thing I want to promote and I, I want you guys to help me promote is the Bible study on Wednesday from 7 to 745 it's really awesome it's really powerful and again you know, it's the Word of God that infuses us it changes our lives. And God speaks to us through His Word. God ties all of His principles and, and everything that He has for us together. And, you know, this series is Blueprints for Life. Your Bible is your blueprint. And if you don't know what the blueprints say, how can you ever follow them? So we want to encourage you to read the Bible and come on Wednesday. And and I want to encourage you to continue to commit to attend services on Sunday mornings. I mean, we're giving you the Word of God. And this morning I'm going to talk about something that is really critical for our walk and our growth and our spiritual maturity, and that's relationships. And so as we gather together on Sunday mornings, as we come together together, On Wednesday nights, as we spend time together, some of you are coming up here and you're serving. And and that's where you're building relationships. And I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He said to love God and love one another. And I love it when when I come here on Sunday mornings. I'm just a little rushed sometimes because there's so much to do to get ready for the service. But I love seeing you guys. I love interacting with you. I love visiting with you. And I love seeing you guys interact with one another and build relationships. That's what it's all about, guys. And so I want to encourage you to continue to come and plug in and continue to invite others to join us. These are the tools, the things that I'm talking about are the tools for you to live a a successful, vibrant, healthy, spiritually healthy life. And so continue to do those things. At this time, I'd like to release the warrior youth. I can see Pastor Christina's getting nervous. She's like, are you going to release us? I'm so proud of you guys. I love y'all. Uh, what? Oh, Kingdom Kids are released too. Oh, all right. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Higgs. I'm continuing in Blueprints for Life, and I'd like to go to a couple of passages of Scripture. Uh, we've been talking a lot about First Corinthians chapter three, verses ten and eleven, and then we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter ten, verses twenty-three through twenty-five. And through this series, just to kind of recap, if you've missed some of the series, I encourage you to go online, LifeFellowship.me, and check out these sermons because they're really all they're they're all connected together. And uh, when we started this series, we, we talked about setting goals because it was at the first of the year. How many of you set goals at the beginning of the year? And then you get about a month into it and you're like, eh, whatever. Uh, but we, we talked about not only setting goals, but setting godly goals. More importantly, setting godly goals. Building on a solid foundation, that is the rock, Jesus. And last week I taught on once we have the foundation laid, what are we building on top of that foundation? And I talked about... Uh, building the correct support system on that solid foundation. We talked about faith and obedience. We talked about it's impossible to please God without faith. Our relationship with the Lord is built on faith. And so faith is so vitally important, but also obedience. Because if we're not obeying and following the Word of God, then we're not going to walk in the full blessings of God. We're not going to be following the blueprints for life. And today's sermon is more support. And I want to talk about something that... I'm really passionate about I mean, I'm passionate about all of it. But this morning, I'm going to be talking about relationships. And in addition to faith and obedience, relationships are important to add to the solid foundation. And so as you think about building a, a house or a home or a building or something like that, you've got to have a good solid, solid foundation, but you also have to have a good support system. And spiritually, we need to have faith. We need to obey what the Word of God says, but also it's important to have relationships. Jesus didn't just come to save humanity, but he came to to have relationship. That's what it's all about. That's what God desires most, is that we're in relationship with him. I mean, God, God wants us to walk in the fullness of life and walk in victory and, and all of those kinds of things. But when you look at Jesus' life, he didn't just come to give the Word of God and to give life. He built relationships with people. He was always pouring into people. And our, one of our mottos here is life-giving, life-changing life relationships. And we're all about building relationships, building godly relationships, because we need one another. And if you think about a puzzle, if there's a couple of pieces missing, it's very, very apparent and very obvious. And have you ever been missing a piece and you're tearing up the house looking for that one little piece? Because you can't complete the puzzle without every piece being there. And so my first point this morning is every connected part is important. Every part is important. And you guys know that we're building a house. And I was looking at some of the houses they're building around us and uh, they 're at different stages, and I was looking at some of the the studs that go up and the support system for the the uh, roof structure and and I was noticing how they're they 're so intimately connected, and when you think about building a home or building anything if if those pieces aren 't connected well then they really don't support one another and they don't do what they were designed to do. And so it's important that we're connected together as the body of Christ. And I want to kind of talk about something. I kind of want to bunny trail here a little bit. But the things that we focus on are the things that organize our life. And we've talked a lot about that. Uh, let's Let's go to Exodus chapter 20. You didn't bring your Bible or your smartphone or your iPad or something. They're on the screens. But this is the first commandment that God gave to Moses. And he said, Exodus 21, then God gave the people all these instructions. And I'm not going to read all the Ten Commandments and all that, but I want to look at the first one here. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. God is saying, listen, I rescued you. You know that Christ came to rescue us have any of you been rescued from, from lifestyles or things or addictive behaviors? So God came to rescue us from slavery because many of us have been bound up in some kind of slavery. All right? It may not be balls and chains, but it may be, you know, a myriad of different things, guilt, shame, whatever. Verse 3 says, you must not have any other God but me. And then he goes on to give the rest of the, the commandments Uh, He goes on to say, don't make any images to bow down and worship. And I've shared with you guys how a number of us pastors went on a kind of a field trip, and we went to a Hindu temple, and we went to a Buddhist temple, and we went to these places of these other religions, and it was mind-boggling to me to see people bowing down and offering uh, fruit and vegetables to these idols. It was so foreign to me. And when we went to the Hindu temple, and there were, all these statues and these people were bowing down worshipping these stone or I don't know what they were made out of but it was so foreign to me and God says listen don't bow down and worship anything other than me. And so like like I just mentioned the thing that we focus on organizes the rest of our life. So what are you focused on? What's your primary focus is it on God? Don't answer. <laughs> Because I'm going to throw some other things out here. Is it money? Are you focused on money? Are you consumed with money? Are you consumed with your job? What is your God? Your marriage? Your children? Our relationship with God should be our primary focus. I was talking with a person that said, you know, my focus has always been my children. And it's like, I think a light came on. and, And they're like, wow, wait a minute. Do you know that your children can be your God? Listen, I'm not saying you should neglect your children. I'm not saying you should neglect your marriage. I'm not saying you should neglect your job. But I'm saying let's make sure that God is first in our life. Because whatever we have at the top of our life organizes everything in our life. So God has given us things to be responsible for, to take care of. I'm not saying to shirk those or or not deal with those, but let's make sure that God is first because when God is first, he will help you raise your children. Do you need help raising your children? I mean, come on. God will help you have a great marriage. Let me say this. Whenever we marry someone, Christine and I, we have pretty extensive marriage counseling, and I will not marry someone without going through premarital counseling. I've never talked to anyone and even aside from premarital counseling, that has said, you know what, I want to get married, but we're going to get divorced. I want to have a failed marriage. I've never talked to anyone, and I don't believe that people go into marriage anticipating that they're going to get a divorce. I, I mean, that doesn't even make any sense. Here's the dilemma. What's the divorce rate? Even in the church. Why? Why is that? And I know that it breaks God's heart. You guys know the the consequences from divorce, not only for those adults, but for the children, and, and it can pass on to their grandchildren. I mean, it doesn't just stop right there. Well, I don't love them anymore, so we're getting a divorce. Do you realize what you're doing to your children? Not only yourself. I mean, I know it's easy to run, but think about the consequences. You've made a covenant with God saying, I'm committing to them for the rest of my life. And so when we have God in our lives, he helps our marriage. Uh, Christine and I have been married 30 years, and, and I think I could say with a fair amount of confidence, if God wasn't in our lives, I don't know that we would still be married. I'm just being honest with you. I'm having a tall moment. Transparent, authentic, and honest. But I'm serious. And I don't know how anyone can have a good, solid, successful marriage without God in the the center of it. I'm not saying you don't have challenges even so, but listen, we need the Lord. And when we have the Lord in our lives, he helps us in all those areas. He'll help you to keep a godly, healthy perspective of money. Money is just a tool like a hammer. We all need it, but it shouldn't be our God. The word says that either you will serve God or you will serve yourself. Oh, no. No, that's not what it says. It says either you will serve God or you will serve money. I thought it was interesting because you know I would think it would be something else. Either we're going to serve God or we're going to serve money, and I, I think that, I, well, I know that God knows, knew that that was always going to be a struggle for us, and so as we have God in our lives, He begins to keep things in perspective. And you probably know people that worship money. I mean, they're all about money. Everything is about money. Having God first in our life will help you keep your work life and daily life in balance. I have another time moment. I have a propensity to work too many hours. And even in this position, because the work never gets done. But I have to be very, very conscious and, and uh, deliberate in taking a day off. You know, straight up. But it's important that I do that. It's important that you find balance in your life, that you're not working 80 hours a week. Come on. You know, I was talking with a guy recently, and he was saying, yeah, I'm working all these hours, and, and, and if, I, if I work this many hours for 10 years, then I'm going to be set. And I'm thinking, what are you going to do? With, you know, what about your life right now? It's like people that I've talked to, that I've worked with that said, oh, I can't wait till I retire. And I'm thinking, dude, that's like 20 years from now. <laughs> You know, if you hate your job so much, why are you going to stay in this job for 20 years and then you get to your retirement and you think, oh, everything's wonderful? Probably not. What about those 20 years with your marriage, with your family, with your children, all those kinds of things? So the thing is, the point is, is that we need to keep God the center of our life, the focus of our life, and he will help us in all those other areas. So the most important connection point is God. He is the glue that keeps things together correctly. Okay, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. Because of God's grace to me, Paul said, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whomever, whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. He goes on to say in verse 11, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Through this series, we've established that the important part of building is our foundation in Jesus Christ. That's where it begins. And once we have the solid foundation, then we can and should begin building with other critical support systems. And we talked about that, two of those already, faith and obedience. There are other support systems that we need. We need to be in relationship, godly relationships with one another. We were created to be in relationships. Remember, in the Garden of Eden, God created Adam and then he created woman so that he could have a partner, so that he wasn't by himself. So we were created. There's this innate desire in us to have relationships. And of course, our first one, our most important one is with God. But this morning, I'm going to talk about the importance of staying connected as the body of Christ. My first point, again, is every part is important. And through this series, I've used a number of comparisons between implementing God's blueprints for life and using blueprints for building a home. But if you know of anybody that's ever lost a finger, if you would imagine that you get your finger cut off and you put it off to the side and you leave it there, it's going to die. And your hand is going to suffer because it doesn't have all of the parts and pieces that it was designed to have. But you've heard of stories where people, doctors were able to take that finger And reattach it. What happens sometimes in the body of Christ is people disassociate themselves from the body of Christ. It's like chopping off their finger and them going off to the side. What's going to happen? It's going to die. It's not going to get the blood flow and the oxygen and the nutrition and all the things that it needs. But one of the things that I think breaks God's heart is the body of Christ is fragmented sometimes. And people isolate themselves And they disassociate. They leave the church. In building a home, the supporting framework, the walls and the roof, are strongly connected. And that's one of the things I was looking at this week. Everything is strongly connected. The solid connections help keep each of those components in place and strengthen the entire structure. Because the walls going up, they're supporting the roof. The roof is supporting the walls because they're all connected Did you ever build anything with Tinker Toys? And you know how you'd put them all together? If those pieces were connected firmly, then you could tell they weren't. They were kind of, they would fall apart or whatever. As we build the foundation, as God builds the foundation, and then we are building on top of that, all those pieces need to be connected together, strongly connected, because it keeps everything in place. And when we are connected as the body of Christ, we are strengthened. When you come in and you get a hug and you say hello and and you encourage one another, how does that make you feel? It makes you feel good. That's because we are created to be in relationship with him and one another. There's three statements I want to make right now, and I want you to really grasp this. I want you to understand that you are important. Say, "I I am important. You are important. To the people in this room, the people in your family. The second statement I want to make is you matter. There are people that struggle with that. They say, you know what? I don't really think I'm of value. I really don't think I matter. Sometimes that can be rooted in pride. It can be false pride. Christ came and died on the cross for every one of us. He didn't come and die for something that was not of value. And when people say that, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard. And I'm like, no, you do value. Because Christ didn't die for something that was worthless. He came and died for something of value. And so you matter. You are important. The third statement I want to make is, without you, the body of Christ is not complete. We need one another. Just like you need that piece of the puzzle that's under the sofa or you know in the in between the cushions, you need that piece. You are valued, you are important, you are needed, you're loved, you're valued. And there are people that don't believe that. The people that are so wounded and hurt that won't receive that. Don't be one of those people. Because that's not God's plan for your life. And that's not his plan for them either. And the relationships that you have, some of those relationships may be so that you can reach out and grab the hand of those that don't think they're worthy, that don't think that they're loved. And you can love on them and show them the truth. Because there are a lot of people that are believing lies. And they believe, they've been told, you're not worthy, you're... You know, you're not worth anything. But that's a lie because that's not what God's word says about them or you or us. God's word says that we are highly favored, that we are his masterpiece. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope or the expectation we affirm. Let's hold on to faith. Let's hold on to the hope that we have. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. As we discovered last week, we need to hold on to faith. Faith is the hope that something's going to happen that we can't see. That's what faith is all about. And so when God's given you a promise, when, when you're going through a trial, when you're going through a rough time, hold on to God through faith. We need to hold on. Faith and trust is developed over time. There are people that I completely trust with my life, but you know what? I didn't have that level of trust the first time I met them, and so trust is something that is developed over time. Faith and trust in God is developed over time, and I've seen God do amazing things, situations that seemed impossible, impossible, impossible. And I've shared some of those with you. Like us having our, wanting to sell our house, and we don't even have a sign in the yard, and somebody calls us and says that somebody comes into their office and describes our house and wants to know if our house is still for sale because they'd shut our house a few months before. But it's not on the market. How is that possible? I mean, there wasn't even a sign in the yard. But God can do amazing things. And he wants to do amazing things through our lives. If we'll yield to him, if we will trust him, do you trust him? When God speaks to you, are you obeying? Will you follow what he tells you to do? Listen, if you don't have a relationship with God, you're not going to hear that small, still voice. But as we grow in that relationship with him, we get more comfortable with hearing the Holy Spirit speak to us. And then are we obeying? Trust is like a seesaw. You can build trust with someone, or someone can build trust with you, or you can destroy trust, or someone can destroy your trust. I, like many of you, have discovered that God can be trusted because I have a long-standing relationship with him. I've been through some stuff. I've been through some challenges. I've seen the hand of God move mightily in my life and open doors, where there was no door there wasn't even a window it was a brick wall but god can do those kinds of things you can have that kind of trust in god but it takes time i trust god i'm not saying that god will give you everything that you want but he will always give you what you need and by god's grace i've not received some of the things i really wanted oh god i've i've got to have that and God is looking out for us. Just like you would be looking out for your children. You're not going to give them something that's going to harm them. Here's some barbed wire. Go play with this. <laughs> no, God is looking out for your best interest. And he knows what we need. And that's what he's going to give. Hebrews ten twenty three again. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope or the expectation we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. So my first point this morning is, Every connected part is important. Every connected part. And you're a connected part to the body of Christ. My second point is we should encourage each other. I want you to think of some people in your life that have encouraged you. And we all need encouragement from time to time, don't we? I mean, you know, sometimes you just, even when you don't think you need encouragement, what's it like for somebody to come up and say, hey, you know what? I really appreciate you. I really love you. You're a wonderful person. You know, I appreciate your diligence and whatever. I appreciate your heart to serve, whatever it may be. So we all need encouragement from time to time. But maybe you've gone through seasons where you were frustrated and ready to quit. Have you, has anybody else been there? And somebody has come along and said, no, come on, stop it. Don't quit now. Don't stop. Press through this challenge. Press through this hardship. And there have been times, and I'm sure you can relate to this, where you've wanted to quit and you said, no, we're just going to press through. And I'm so glad that I did. I'm so glad. You know, in James chapter 1, it says, count it all joy when you have trials and tribulations for the testing of your faith. Build your patience. And when your patience is complete, then you are complete. Lacking nothing. So it's a process, and we talk a lot about it, that spiritual growth and maturity is a lifelong process. It doesn't just happen. It's not a light switch you turn on. And so our relationships are like that. My relationship with the Lord has grown over the years. It's still growing. I don't think it will ever stop growing. My relationship with my wife is still growing. With many of you, it's growing. And so we're in a process where God is bringing us along. We're growing and maturing in the Lord. So there have been people that have come into your life, maybe, maybe it was just at the right time where you really needed that. And maybe God sent somebody to encourage you at the point where you re- were ready to give up and quit. And you press through and you're glad that you did. Hebrews 10.24 goes on to say, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works let us think of ways to motivate one another to love and good works let's all be thinking of ways to encourage and motivate each other to acts of love and good works are you encouraging people how can we motivate and encourage one another if we're disconnected from one another if we don't really have a relationship with one another and i've talked about this before at, at one of my jobs we had a group that would meet every day for lunch, and we would read the Bible, and we would share. And, and those 10 or 12 people, we really became close. So we went from coworkers workers to, to friends. And we all went to different churches. But we had one thing in common. It was Christ. And we would read the Bible together. We would share what was going on in our lives. And we would encourage one another. We would encourage one another to acts of love and good deeds. And sometimes I I would send out an email and I would say, hey, everybody do a random act of kindness this week. Make sure you do your random act of kindness. And so what that would be is you would do something nice for someone at work. But the thing was, if if anyone knew it or anyone saw you, then it didn't count. And so uh, we had a warehouse and a lot of times I would go out there to have to pick up a package for myself. And it was just as easy many times to get another package for somebody else and and take it to their lab. And so I would be walking down the hall and I'm kind of looking around. I would go put their package on their desk or whatever. But, you know, it's little things like that that we can do to make a difference in someone's life. Just a simple smile. Hey, how are you today? I, I talked to a lady at the post office the other day and I said, how's your day going? She said, well, it doesn't matter. You don't really care. I said, no, I do care. I'll pray for you. You know, I realize you probably don't have time to go into details, but I'll pray for you. And so we can encourage one another by just taking a little time. Just a simple smile or a kind word can do a lot. I shared with you guys, too, how one day I walked into church, and, and as I was walking down the aisle to my seat, I stopped and uh, I gave this lady a hug. And then I went on and sat down. I didn't think anything about it. And she told me months later, she said, you'll never know how much I was impacted by that. Because at that very time, right before you stopped to hug me, I was praying out to God. I said, God, I need a hug. And she said, you were a hug from God for me. I didn't know that. And had she not told me, I would have never realized that. But you never know the impact, something so seemingly minor, may have in a person's life let's go to James chapter 2 last week we looked at faith but I, I want to talk about it a little bit more James two seventeen. so you see faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds it's dead and useless verse 18 now someone may argue some people have faith others have good deeds but I say how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds I will show you my faith by my good deeds we can encourage one another to acts of love and good deeds. And that's what God wants. God wants us to impact the world around us. There are people all over this community that need encouragement. They need hope. They've given up on life. They're addicted to drugs or whatever it may be. Their marriage is falling apart. They're having challenges or problems or whatever. Listen, we all need the hope of Christ. We can encourage one another. Let's look at Hebrews ten twenty four again. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. I've worked in environments where they were very negative and discouraging. You know, and that just saps your energy when, when you have all this backbiting and fighting. Have you ever been in a situation like that? It's like, really, can, can we just get some work done here without all this fighting and scrapping and clawing? And, and I've also been in situations that were very positive and encouraging, and it's a totally different environment. You know, this church is very positive and encouraging. You come up during the week and people are working and people are giving and, you know, we're serving the Lord and and, uh, I love coming on Sunday mornings and, and just seeing the connection, the connectivity that's happening in our lives, the relationship building that's going on. So what are some ways that you can think of that would motivate others to acts of love and good works? And I'm not saying you have to start some kind of full-time ministry. I'm just saying there are things that we can do every day to encourage one another. Do you have a network of Christians, people that you are connected with during the week, that you can send them an email and say, hey, how's your day going? Were you a light this morning? Are you sharing the light of Christ? Are you encouraging others to acts of love and good works? How's your attitude today? To acquire the fire, we took the U2 a few weeks back the Warrior Youth were leaving a session and we were all going to lunch or dinner or something and one of the guys challenged the others, said, hey, everybody hug five people. And so, you know, it became a challenge where they were all trying to hug, find five people to hug. And what happened? What happened with that? Well, at the very minimum, there was some kind of relationship building process that took place. Because someone from the Warrior Youth Ministry reached out and gave somebody a hug. Somebody said, hey, you know, I'm going to demonstrate that I care. It's on a a surface level, okay? We don't have a deep relationship. But I just want to example and demonstrate the love of Christ. And what if another group was inspired to do the same? And it caught fire and everybody hugged everybody in in that place. I mean, there were thousands of people there. Or what if there was a teen that received a hug that was really hurting and really needed that? Just a simple hug. We don't know. You guys know that we gave out 25 $100 Walmart cards to a woman's shelter at Christmas. We gave out bags of groceries, several hams. And I don't know that we'll ever know the impact that that has made because of your generous giving. And you know what? It was, it was initiated by Barb. She said, hey, this is something that I prayed about, and she brought it, brought it to us, and, and we prayed about it, and we felt like it was a good thing. And dozens, if not hundreds of people, were impacted by that initiative. We're inspiring one another to acts of love and good deeds, good works. You know that we're supporting missionaries that travel to Africa and, and are making a difference. Because of your faithful giving and support, we're able to help support them. And there is no telling what kind of impact that's having having in that area, maybe even in that country, maybe even in that continent. And so as we give and as we encourage one another, it changes lives. We support uh, ministries here locally and regionally and internationally. that We may never know the impact on those lives. Maybe you're wired as an encourager. Part of one of my giftings, I think, is encouragement. Are you encouraging people? Because that is so vitally important to be an encourager and to encourage one another. And there are people that are just wired that way. Do you know people like that? They're just always up, always encouraging one another. We need those people. If that's you, we need you. Go and encourage. Go and encourage one another. Let's look at Hebrews 10.24 again. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. The body of Christ needs you. They need you to encourage one another and to motivate one another to love and good works. So my third point this morning is let's build godly relationships. We can have a tremendous impact on lives where we have a surface or superficial relationship. Like I talked about a while ago, those youth that were hugging somebody, they didn't have any kind of deep relationship, but they were willing to reach out and share the love of Christ. And I've been led by the Holy Spirit from time to time to pray with someone that maybe I've never talked to uh, or met, but I'm talking to them on the phone and the Lord will prompt me to, to pray for them. And man, God will move powerfully. And so, I'm not saying that you have to have a deep, you know, some kind of this heavy-duty relationship to be able to minister to people and share the love of Christ and encourage one another. Just be obedient. Just follow what the Lord says to do. But how much more of an impact can we have as we build relationships where there is authenticity, where there's trust, where there's love, where we can be honest and real with one another? Think of the impact that we can have in that, in those relationships. One of the most valued things in my life are relationships. The relationship that I have with the Lord, but the relationship that I have with the people around me, the relationship that I have with you guys, it's of great value to me. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Then it goes on to say in Hebrews 25, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We don't know when the Lord is coming back, but we're one day closer today than we were yesterday. And who knows how much time you have on this earth. But let us not neglect meeting together, as some people do. Do you know people that aren't plugged into a church, that aren't involved? I can say this with a fair amount of confidence. I don't think I know anyone that has walked away from church, unplugged from the body of Christ, and grown spiritually and benefited. In fact, what I've seen is the opposite. I've seen people that were so gifted and talented. God had his hand on them in such a powerful way. And they got offended over some little stupid thing. So that's it. I walk away. And they miss out on the full blessings of God. And you know what? The body of Christ misses out too. Because we need them. And on the other hand, I've seen people that have stayed committed to church and following after God. And those are the people that I see that are strong and mature in the Lord, are growing. God is using them in a powerful way. Do you have to go to church to be saved? No, you're saved by receiving Christ. But let me tell you, there is a correlation between staying connected to the, the source of life and the body of Christ and spiritual growth and maturity. Because I've seen it over and over and over and over. And I can tell you countless stories on both sides. People that have walked away. And I've seen what the enemy has done in their life. John 10.10, 10, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come, Jesus said, to, to give you abundant life. And so one of the greatest tricks of the enemy is to isolate people from the body of Christ. I'm amazed. I've seen people, and and I've done this too. Okay, let me put myself in this. There have been times when I thought I was mature, but I get my, my tail feathers in a ruffle over something minor. And what I realize is it's just immaturity. And it's amazing to me to see people that are mature in the Lord turn and walk away so quickly. Wait a minute. And when we condense all of that down, I think it comes down to one thing, selfishness. I didn't get my way. Well, I didn't like those blue chairs. I didn't want blue chairs. I wanted red chairs. Get over yourself. Come on. Let's grow up and mature. Let's yield our life to God and say, Lord, I want you to download into me. I want you to purge all that selfishness out because it's not all about me anyway. It's all about you. It should be. If you're the God of my life, Or wait a minute, maybe I'm the God of my life. I like being in charge here. Is God, God of your life? And one of the tricks of the enemy is to isolate people. Someone gets offended, they quit, they walk away. Who's the one who loses? Time after time, what I've seen is it's a person that severs the ties and walks away. They cut their finger off, and they take their finger, and they put it over there, and they say, I'm done with it. I'm leaving. How many times have you seen a herd of animals where one gets separated? Seen it on TV, National Geographic, right? When they're in the herd, there's safety there. But let those jackals or tigers or coyotes or whatever isolate one. They're history, man. And it's the same thing that happens in the body of Christ. It breaks my heart to see that happen. Because I know that that's not God's plan for their life. I know that's not what's best for them and their family. But the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And when he can begin to isolate us, twist us off, next thing you know, you end up over here, you're totally unplugged, you're a ripe pickings for the enemy. He will pick you off. And he doesn't take prisoners. He has come to steal and kill and destroy. And he is very effective at that. There is safety when you're connected in the body of Christ. There's accountability. There's people that love you. There's people you can go to. I remember hearing a teaching a number of years ago, and and they talked about the different phases of society, the industrial age and the different ages. And he said the next age that's coming is the age of isolation. And we're seeing that today. Have you ever seen two teens sitting on a park bench or right next to one another? They're not talking, they're texting. And so, you know, with computers and, and all of that, we all have our little work cubicles that we're working in. If the enemy can begin to isolate us and move us away, especially when we disconnect from the local church, we're setting ourselves up for grave danger. Do not allow yourself or your family to get picked off. Stay connected to the local church. You know, that's why I'm encouraging you to come on Wednesdays, to come on Sunday mornings. Not just so you can come to another service or have something else to do, but so that you remain connected. So we get taught the Word of God, the principles of God, the things of God, so that we build those relationships. So my first point this morning was every connected part is important. You are important. And God is the glue to keep us connected. Do you know that building relationships is a challenge? I mean, are you ever inconvenienced by relationships? (laughs) Husbands and wives, look at me. (laughs) You know, I'm not saying that it's always easy, but relationships are important, but they will cause us to maybe get our focus off of ourselves. My second point is we should encourage each other. You know, I've, I've been around people in work environments where they have this relationship where it's always adversarial. They're always putting one another down. Have have you been in relationships like that or seen that? And what I've seen always, I think I could say almost always happens, is at some point in time, even though they they throw those little barbs at one another, little jabs at one another, eventually somebody gets their feelings hurt. And I've seen people in relationships like that at work, and I'm like, why are you guys always putting one another down? And sure enough, somebody get mad you know, about something. I said, why don't you encourage one another? It's just as easy to encourage someone as it is to tear them down, right? So why don't we do that? Why wouldn't we build one another up? Why don't we encourage one another to acts of love and good deeds? And my third point was, let's build godly relationships. Hebrews 3, 4 says, for every house has a builder, but the one who builds everything is God. It all comes back to God, guys. Our relationships, everything should be based on that foundation. Be sure you are following God's blueprints for your life. I want to talk about one other thing. This Friday, Pastor Christine mentioned, is is First Friday. And I I think they're going to have the opening ceremonies for the, the Olympics and all that. And I know people want to watch that. But listen, when we come on First Friday, it's once a quarter now. We are entering into the presence of God. And there's no TV program, there's no meal, there's no anything that I've ever found that even compares with entering into the presence of God. So it's for an hour on Friday. If you can come, we'd love to have you come. We just get in that, that, that zone of worship. You know, when we come on Sunday mornings, we sing three or four songs, and it's kind of like you, you get in. And, but when we come on Friday night, it's, it's more of a concentrated time. We have a little more time to really enter in. And God has done amazing things. And I know that Friday afternoon has been a long week, but but I'm asking you to determine now that you will come this Friday. We'll have child care available if you have children. And, you know, let me be honest with you. Let me have another time, moment, transparent, authentic, and honest. There have been times when we're like, oh, it's first Friday tonight. I'm really tired. It's been a long week, you know, or whatever. But I press through. I'm committed to it. And what I find is that it is so refreshing that I get filled up, that I'm encouraged, my spirit is lifted. Physically, many times I feel better because it's just a refreshing time. And those of you that are regular attenders of that know what I'm talking about. The First Friday service, I think, is one of the most powerful services we have. It's the least attended. But I tell you what, when you come, you just get washed. You get soaked in the presence of God and it's that presence it's that encounter with God that fills us up to overflowing and so I want to encourage you to come this Friday at 7 I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning you may feel God tugging on your heart maybe maybe you don't have a relationship with him and you say well Mark, you know, I, I don't have a foundation on Christ. I don't have any kind of relationship with him. Or maybe you had one at one point in time, but you've walked away. And you, you know that God is calling you back. Would you be honest and brave enough just to slip up your hand? I want to pray with you. If that's you here today. Thank you. Thank you for that honest. Anybody else? Listen, there's no shame in that. There's not any shame in that. The shame would be to walk out of this building and not receive everything that God has for you. Would you guys come forward, Celeste? Can you hand the baby? Thank you for being bold. Thank you for being honest. Would you just repeat this prayer after me? Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today. I receive your forgiveness. I receive a new start. I thank you for eternal life and forgiving me of all my sins. And I I thank you that this is a new day and a new start. All those old things are gone. Today's a new day. I want to pray for you guys. Dear Heavenly Father. I pray for Celeste and Anthony, God. I pray that you would fill them with a fire and the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that they would connect with you on a level that they have never even dreamed possible. Lord God, I pray that you would fill them to overflowing with your great love. And Father, that they would receive everything that you have for them that there would not be any guilt, any shame, any fear, anything. Lord God, your word says you've not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and love and a sound mind or self-discipline. So God, I pray that anything that's not of you would be washed off of them and they would walk in the fullness and the completeness of your blueprint, your plan for their lives, God. And I thank you for what you're doing Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do. And Father, we give you praise and glory and honor and thanks. God, I'm expecting mighty things to come from their lives and from Elijah's life, God, because you're pouring into them and you're training them up and you're going to use them in powerful ways. In Jesus' name, look at me, guys. God has a great plan for you. He has a great, great plan for you. And God has some really amazing, special things for you that you don't even know yet. But if you will stay connected to him, you will see God do amazing things in your lives. That's where it begins, guys, yielding our life to him. And then he begins to take our life like a seed that's been planted in the dirt. And it breaks through that soil And it looks kind of gnarly and rough, but it begins to grow and blossom and become something beautiful and wonderful. And that's what God has for each and every one of us. And it just simply requires us to receive. I want to close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your great love for us. And I pray that we would understand the depth and the width and the length of your love, even though it's too difficult to understand, God. Your word says that it's difficult to understand. Let us begin to receive. Let us begin to see you as you truly are. Let us begin to see the truth. And for those who have a skewed perspective of themselves, God, help them to receive your love and see themselves as you see them, of someone of value, someone that's important, someone that you love in spite of all of our flaws. And God, I pray that we would have a greater desire to build relationships with one another, first with you and then with one another, and that it would not only stay in these four walls, but it would extend out to everyone that we come in contact with. You've called us to impact this community in the world, and you do that through building relationships. You do that through us being obedient and following the blueprints for life. So God, let us be determined to do that. Let us go from this place today and encourage one another to acts of love and good deeds. And as many of us go to restaurants or or Super Bowl parties or wherever we're going, Lord, let us encourage one another. Let us be an encouragement and let us receive encouragement when we need it. So Father, we pray all these things with expectation. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you want prayer, the prayer team will be up here. Come and pray with them. If, you, if you've got a challenge that you're walking through, come and pray with them. Go out and make a difference in the world around you. Okay? Go out and live it. You're dismissed. Amen. See you Friday at 7 o'clock.